0: Alright guys, the show is back. Semi-nice podcast, we are back on the internet. We're not on the radio waves, but we are back on the internet. We are back on streaming. I am back. The show is back. My politics are back. My funny stories, or I guess my embarrassing stories, will be back. Not this episode, but in the next one likely. In this episode you'll find... I'm going to give a bunch of different diatribes on a lot of different things. You're going to hear my opinion on Mitt Romney's vote you're going to hear my opinion on impeachment in general. Just know that these opinions are my own. They don't express the views of anyone else except myself. And I would also like to apologize because there are a few verbal typos in here. For example, later on, I'll say infallible when I mean to say fallible. So just keep that in mind. And yeah, thanks for coming out and hope you enjoy the show. The Semi-Nice Podcast. Alright guys, well, thanks for being here. Uh, it's been a minute, <laughs> to say the least. Um, I should probably give you like a little recap on my life and what's been going on lately. So, last episode was back in August of 2019, which seems like a lifetime ago. Um, But yeah, basically, like if you're wondering why the show basically went on a hiatus for a while, uh, school started and I was just in the midst of a lot of different things, whether it was uh, like, it was just a big conglomerate of too many things at once, I guess, uh, with different like research positions and school like, like that whole, like my whole like school load of last semester, in addition to uh, working and also studying for the LSAT and preparing and applying to law schools last semester, which is what I did and ended up taking the LSAT twice last semester. So definitely do not recommend doing that while you're in school because that, uh, that was, that was something else. That was insane. So I would, but I would never do that again, to be honest. Um, so yeah, like, Given all of those different things, kind of had to put the show on like a little, little hiatus for a minute, but, um, the other day I was kind of thinking like, oh yeah, I should probably like, I guess I realized I had more time than I thought I did this semester. And I was like, oh yeah, like I have time where I should probably like start the show up again. But honestly, I think the final thing that really set it off was I was on Amazon the other day and... Like for some of you who like it probably get the same ad all the time where whenever you go to order something on Amazon, it always says, oh, you know, sign up for our Amazon gift card and we'll give you 70 bucks. And I'm always thinking, ah, is it really worth like for another credit card? Nah, I don't think so. So I never do it. But then the other day I was on Amazon because, yes, I do have a prime membership, the student one. uh, And I have is led me to buy so many things on the internet, it's terrible. Uh, But the other day I went to buy a book and yes, I'm cultured in that sense. Uh, And Amazon was like, hey, if you sign up and get approved for our gift card, we'll give you 125 bucks for free. And I was like, ah, you know, okay, what the heck. So I I went on, got approved, uh, you know, got my free Amazon money. And with all this free money, uh, one thing I looked at was because as you, as you always remember, usually from when I used to record this, we'd always say, hey, we're opening in, you know, room 5725 of the library. But now I'm actually recording from the comfort of my own apartment, which let me tell you, is a huge improvement from having to deal with the library. Uh, but the reason being is that with my free Amazon money, I was able to get one, to get one of those cool like extendo, like microphone arms that I could like just screw the microphone onto and then move it around instead of having it on its little tiny tripod stand. And if you never saw like how we used to record this, (laughs) I used to get like two snowball mics and then we'd stack, like we go, we were in the library obviously. So we go out to the shelves and grab like seven or eight books and like stack them up high enough. So like the microphone would be at like the person's like voice and like mouth level. And yeah. So, but now I have an official arm. So if you've ever seen like videos of actual podcasts, like this is how they do it. So I'm feeling a little bit more legitimate, but, uh, but yeah, it's good to be back. Um, for those of you who maybe don't know, one thing I did, (laughs) I guess like maybe I'm just a huge narcissist, but I feel like I want to put like content of myself out on the internet, but I'm not like, I'm not creative enough or have like the technical or like video editing skills, um, to actually like make a YouTube channel or something like that. So... What I did last, well, I started last semester, and I've kind of been doing ever since, is I started doing, like, serial reviews on Sunday nights on my Instagram story, so if you know what I'm talking about, you can probably just, like, fast forward for the next minute, but if not, uh, go ahead and follow me on Instagram, pete 0 I have all the, like, old ones highlighted on my story, which I probably need to update today. Um, But basically, one of my friends posted, like, an Instagram, like, story that had, like, It was like a big collage of all those, like, I don't know what it is. There's like no boundaries with cereal anymore. Like anything goes. Like when I was a kid, like it was crazy to see like frosted Cheerios, you know, it's like, oh dang, you know, like, you know, but everything else was normal. It was like Frosted, frosted flakes, fruit loops, you know, and now it's just like, it's just a mess. Like you have frosted flakes and like Lucky Charms like combined, or you have like cinnamon toast crunch and like churro toast crunch. And then just anything gets made into a cereal these days, whether it's like Twinkie cereal, Hershey Kiss cereal, Jolly Rancher cereal, which the last one I did try and it was was not very good. Um, But basically my friend, she posted like a collage and it was kind of like Instagram poll, like, oh, which one would you try? And there was like a drumstick cereal, you know, like the ice cream drumstick. I'm not talking like chicken drumstick cereal, but like the ice cream cone drumstick. And I was like, oh, I would for sure try the drumstick cereal. And she's like, nah, that sounds gross. I'm like, watch. I will do a live reaction on my Instagram story of me eating said cereal. Uh, And so I kind of did like one Sunday. And then it was kind of just like a joke. So I did like some dumb stuff with it, like some slow motion cereal, like pouring and whatever. And then some people responded saying, hey, you know, like, I'm glad because like sometimes with these cereals, I don't know if they're like going to be good or not. And then so I kind of started doing it again and some other people and I just kind of got like really into it it was like a lot easier than like trying to script and write and do like social media for a podcast in the middle of a super busy semester um i think yeah the last two cereals i did uh we did with the other TAs i work with we did the ego cereal the blueberry ego cereal I'm not gonna lie that was pretty good uh probably the biggest issue with that was the fact that uh like i When I was growing up, there was like this cereal called Waffle Crisp, and it was like waffle cereal, but it was like waffles, like it it tasted like waffles soaked in maple syrup. Like it was so good. And so I was kind of expecting a little bit more maple flavor with the Egos, but it was really just like straight Egos. So it was good. Like I really liked it, but, um, and then last week I did the Hershey's Kiss cereal, which was just kind of like knockoff Cocoa Puffs. I'm going to be, if I'm going to be completely honest with you. Um, so that was disappointing, but probably the worst one I've tried so far. Uh, it's probably gonna be the Sour Patch Kids cereal. Like when you eat it by itself, it's not bad. Like when you eat it like without milk, it's kind of just like sour Fruit Loops. So it's like kind of tasty actually. But man, when you pour milk over it, ugh, 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 it's so gross. Uh, and then the other bad one I have is like the Jolly Rancher cereal. Like, <laughs> I mean, honestly, you look at the box and you can just tell, like, dude, they put no effort into this. Um, but yeah, like, like I said, follow me on my Instagram, probably like ones I'll do soon are either like the Twinkie cereal or the honey bun cereal. Uh, I really want to try like the churro toast crunch. Cause that just sounds really good. Um, and then maybe I'll get into some of these like mixed child cereals of like, uh, or like these mixed cereals of like lucky charms with frosted flakes and just, you know, stuff that's super wild. Anyway. So that's where I've been. That's kind of like my life. Um, yeah, law school's still the plan. All my apps are in. Uh, I've heard back from a couple, from a couple places. Uh, still waiting to hear back from a couple others. So just kind of taking it all in. Uh, it's been exciting. It's really nice to kind of be more in this stage now rather than the prep stage, um, but it's good. And before I move on, just a big shout out to everyone who helped participate and helped like encourage me and push me along through the process. Uh, it was not easy. For me, it was a long journey to prep for law school, specifically with the LSAT. I uh, took it three times over the and yeah. So big shout out to everyone uh, who helped along that process because I honestly couldn't have done it without you. Anyway, let's get back into like the main point of this episode of what I was gonna talk about and what I originally advertised about. So. Um, for those of you who know, like, you should follow the show on Instagram at semi underscore nice underscore. Uh, I was writing up my script today. Well, I was like, I was, I've already kind of had it. I, ugh, I've already kind of had it written up and I just kind of finalized it this morning. And I'm not going to lie. I was a little in my feels when I was writing this up. Uh, and it's not like i write this word for word for and then quote it verbatim. I really just kind of do a big bullet point outline. Uh, but there's some of the stuff I guess I feel kind of strongly on. And so, some of the, like, just to know going forward, some of the opinions that are going to be presented here, uh, you might disagree with, and that's fine. Some of these may not be the usual partisan talking points, uh, being that I myself, I, I would say I'm pretty centrist. I mean, I am a registered independent, so there's that. And I'll get kind of into, like, why I feel that way later on maybe a little bit and maybe touch it on definitely like save different episodes for it later on uh but let's talk about like basically uh this is like last week and a half and politics has been insane like just absolutely crazy uh for example all of this has happened since last friday and i mean since like january 31st uh they had the senate vote for impeachment for witnesses in the impeachment trial and uh, the, then this last monday they had the iowa caucus debacle and we all know how crazy that like <laughs> what a mess that was we had the state of the union on tuesday then you had romney's vote and the senate acquittal on wednesday then you had trump's wild victory speech on thursday morning and then we had another democrat debate on friday and that's like just kind of like the at the national like federal presidential headlines like there's so much more going on it's insane like Um, so let me kind of like hit on each of these in turn. Uh, some of these are going to be like really brief and just a couple thoughts or like points on each one. Cause obviously like, I know what you're all here for. And like, what I really want to talk about anyway is, uh, Mitt Romney's uh, vote during the impeachment trial, because I think that's like definitely the most interesting one to talk about. So, um, let's see here. Let's go ahead. Yeah. So let's start with the first thing Let's start with the impeachment witness vote. Um, with the witness vote, like there was four Republicans that would like were projected to maybe swing. And so Susan Collins and Romney voted for witnesses. And then the other two, Lisa Murkowski and Lamar Alexander voted against. And I think that was just really disappointing that Alexander and Murkowski voted against witnesses or voted against witnesses, honestly, because at this point, I'm just kind of really interested at what Bolton had to say. Um, Especially given, like, once you consider that he said he, like, wasn't going to testify in the House, and then he goes on and, like, does testify, or, like, says like, he will testify in the Senate. So, I mean, lots of people were like, oh, it's just a public spectacle, he wants to make book sales, but, like, hey, I mean, like, at least if we're going to go through this, like, <laughs> maybe we can make it a little more interesting, you know? Um, I'll give, like, thoughts on impeachment a little bit later, but... Uh, I- I think it was just lame, especially since, like, Lamar Alexander literally is retiring. He's old and has he's, like, not running for Senate, and he just came out and voted against witnesses and essentially met with Murkowski and got her to vote against witnesses. And I thought that was just kind of weak, and I would have liked a little bit more political theater in the whole process. Because that's what it is. Like, let's be real. Like, this impeachment really was uh, – I don't want to say it was, like, completely without substance, but really it was just – it was a big show for everyone to watch – and it's, but it was kind of spoiled because yeah, there was like maybe some tiny t- twist and turns, but for the most part, ever since it started, we all kind of knew how it was going to end. Uh, so anyway, let's go talk about the Iowa caucus debacle. Uh, obviously, like as we probably know, it was <laughs> the Democrat party tried to use an app and it totally backfired and like crushed. It crumbled like under the pressure and just gave into chaos. And they were trying, some people were trying to report like precincts and they got put on these hotlines and they had to like wait for like six hours to report their numbers and just, yeah, it was insane. But what I think it's really representative of, uh, in my opinion, it's just, is kind of representative of the Democrat party as a whole as it is right now. Like it's so divided and without a unified message. It has these different factions within it. Uh, I mean, you can also say it's kind of like eating itself alive, to be completely honest with you. Like if we like do a brief overview of the candidates and we'll do more 2020 analysis in future episodes. Probably going to hear a lot of that in the next couple months. months. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Uh, Bernie Sanders is honestly, if he keeps up, he's probably going to get the nomination at this point. But it's interesting because the Democrat establishment is so anti Bernie Sanders. Uh, the Warren, cam- Warren, her campaign basically died off when she started like revealing how she's going to pay for health care. And one of the reasons why people are so anti-Bernie is because he wants to tax Wall Street. And that is, like, never going to go over well, um, even with the Democrat establishment. Then with Biden, like, who knows what's going on with this dude, to be honest with you. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens when he moves on from Iowa. But he severely underperformed in Iowa. And then Buttigieg won Iowa. Uh, but Iowa's I not great. It's not really representative of America as a whole. Midwest guy. Um, and the thing that I think is interesting about Buttigieg is he's literally a married gay man running for president, but he's not like the quote. I'm emphasizing this with hand motions. Right end quote, gay man for the Democrat Party at this moment. Um, like the amount of the amount of hate this guy is getting is just wild. Uh, and then also, but also he's not really going to go anywhere because he doesn't pull well with African Americans due to being uh, homosexual, which is unfortunate. Um, so it's gonna be interesting to see what happens when like the caucus goes to South Carolina and see what happens there. Uh, so yeah, brief overview of 2020 with the Democrat party. Then let's talk about state of the union on Tuesday. So the the state of the union is like the ultimate political theater. And honestly, like it's one of donald trump's like i think i probably think it's honestly one of his favorite things to do because no one really like we haven't seen a politician that knows how to work a crowd or like work a camera and has such a taste for the gravitas and you know like for such great theater like donald trump does so i watched about five minutes of it and i turned it on i was like oh yeah like i was doing homework and i was like oh yeah the uh the state of the union's on I ended up watching like five minutes and turning it off. It's just so it's such theater, you know? Um, some people really liked it because basically Trump used it as a highlight reel for the first, for these last couple years. And to be honest, like he, fl- he like touted some of his strong points, you know, like the economy, uh, some of the work he's done for criminal justice reform. Uh, so, you know, especially with presidents who are in a re election year, The state of the union is always used kind of like as a big, either a kickoff or really give a lot of energy to their reelection campaign. Uh, Some things I didn't like, I didn't like the Rush Limbaugh Presidential Medal of Freedom, but to be honest, that just kind of gets handed out to like whichever are like the favorite celebrities of the president in office. Uh, Like if we look back at a lot of the people who got it during Obama and then, i mean yeah like i there's a lot of good stuff in trump's economy but i don't like a lot of budgetary actions under trump um like with all the debt being added on and yeah it's insane so yeah a lot of disagreement there but we can talk about trump's economy at a different time that's that's an episode unto itself uh my, i think one of the main or the most interesting takeaways and this was brought up by van jones who is, he works as a commentator on CNN. But he's a political like activist. Very interesting. I've uh, been like reading a lot of his stuff lately. Um, he was kind of giving a warning to Democrats saying that like, like Democrats like really probably should like watch out for Trump and the black vote. Like not saying that Trump's gonna steal 50% of the black vote or anything like that, but rather like employment rates are so low. They're historically low for African Americans. Uh, all the work that's being done on criminal justice, which, on a side note, is a bipartisan issue. And the fact that people did not stand and applaud that, I think, is really telling of the time that we live in. Uh, and then also the funding that Trump has done for, like, these failing and, like, for these, Af- like, predominantly African-American schools that have been left out for years. Um, like, he's, na- he's making moves, and it's, like I said, it's not like he's going to try and steal or walk away with 50% of the vote, but you might make just enough of a dent to matter. Uh, And I also think it's interesting that Trump actually did better with Latinos and black voters in 2016 than Romney did, even if it was only, like, 29... Like, Trump's 29 with Latinos to Romney's 27%, and Trump's 8% with African Americans to Romney's 6%. But also, there was, like, less voter turnout in 2016 and 2012. And uh i think obama did a great job of mobilizing the minority vote but still like it'll be interesting to see what happens with the african-american vote and with trump in 2020. okay so now we can get to the good stuff almost 20 minutes in so let's go ahead and talk about this romney vote right so i yeah there's a lot of different takes on this so i like what i'm about to say is just like this is my opinion this is like what i think um, so like, let's get, let's, let's get started on, on this then. So I got to watch Romney's, uh, speech they gave on the Senate floor on Wednesday. I think I saw on Twitter either that morning or on Tuesday that he was going to hit the floor and give like a, basically a speech before they voted. Cause a bunch of senators were doing like individual speeches. So I was sitting in my religion class, had one AirPod in, um, And, I mean, then just, like, sorry, different side note, like, if you think about, like, the history that we're living in right now, I mean, like, even in, like, in my lifetime, being born in 1996, like, I lived through Y2K, 9-11, the War on Terror, you know, the worst financial depression since the Great Depression, uh, the election of the first African-American president, then you had, like, like, smaller, like, other movements, like the Tea Party movement, Black Lives Matter, the Me Too movement, and then now living in the age of Trump and living through, like, the third impeachment process, like, Dude, life is wild sometimes when you really sit down and think about it. Anyways, so I was watching Romney's speech uh, in my religion class. And, like, you could just, like, kind of feel the tension, like, coming through, like, the bro- like the broadcast. Uh, it was really interesting because Romney, the speech he read was one that, like, he wrote himself. And he did a lot of, like, side... And you could tell, like, he was broken up about it. Like, there was a lot of emotion like genuine emotion like in romney's speech which i think was interesting um especially since in 2012 he got a lot of flack for being somewhat robotic and cold and i think this was probably one of the most humanizing and real moments of romney that like i've ever seen so he did a lot of like citing his oath as an impartial juror stating that he could not in good conscience break his oath before god And that to me was really a breath of fresh air during this whole impeachment process to finally hear a Republican or, you know, maybe even a Democrat for that matter to like speak from their conscience and to speak and like actually act on what they believe, like the ability to put partisan lines and desires aside and to speak with conviction. And I think that was, that was really interesting to me. And it really, it really kind of just was really telling uh, like like many other things, and I know I say this all the time, but it's really symbolic. I think the backlash to Romney is really symbolic of the time we live in. And before I get to that, like it, to touch on impeachment, like like I said before, yeah, there were some wild variables at the beginning, but we all really knew where impeachment was going from the moment it began. It was going to finish, and it was going to die in the Republican uh, Republican controlled Senate, and you know the house was rushing through the inquiry and to be honest i think that really kind of hurt their case especially because with article 2 they didn't pursue like enforcement of congressional subpoenas to the courts where and on their obstruction of justice charge because if they'd gone that route trump def- probably would have like likely very likely would have lost leaving him in a similar position as richard nixon and bill clinton where in both cases obstruction of justice was qualified as as an impeachable offense, um, and there was like some Bolton drama, but I like the SNL bit they had. What was that two weeks ago, where Bolton was like in front of the Senate and like he gives his one or two lines, and they're like, oh well, don't you have anything else to say? He's like, nope, you can buy, my, you can just pre-order my book. <laughs> um, so like remember like with this impeachment, there was two articles that the House produced. Uh, the first being abuse of power, the second being obstruction of justice. The first one abuse of power is the one that really is grabs everyone's attention and the headlines. Because you know it sound, it's like big and overarching. It's like abuse of power and it sounds super epic. But to be honest, when you look at it the second one, obstruction of justice, while maybe like less politically sexy, if you want to say that, is the better factual and legal case that the house can make. Um, because there's like well-documented and like evidence of not just like white house employees denying or like refusing to comply with congressional subpoenas but also like evidence of Trump like directly instructing said employees to not like comply with subpoenas Um. so the second one definitely was I think better but it kind of lost a lot of weight because it wasn't pursued to the courts because of the rush with the inquiry. Um, And then, like, I – there's some problems I have with, like – I have a lot of problems with, like, the the Republican senator arguments that came out of – after the impeachment trial, like, letting the people decide because I think – I mean, yeah, obviously, like, we live in a democracy, but given what impeachment is and the oath to be jurors, like – to, to kick it off and say, oh, we're going to just let the people decide is, like, really kicking the can down the road. And honestly, I think it's a weaker move than what Romney did of, like, actually making a, like, substantive vote. Because basically other, everyone else on the Repu- Republican side just kind of, like, abdicated themselves of any responsibility. Um, and I, pff, who knows, maybe a way to make impeachment more effective would just to do, like, anonymous voting. Because otherwise they're always going to face pressure. And I think that would, like, make... Being an impartial juror maybe a lot easier but that would have just abdicate even more responsibility so there's that but a lot of the debate that i think is really interesting around impeachment votes are people saying well they need to be doing the moral move but people forget that politicians always are usually trying to make more politically smart moves for example like cory gardner senator republican senator from colorado who's up for re-election this cycle like yeah, he could have voted against Trump, but it wouldn't have done anything for him because he would have brought down that hellfire and brimstone from the White House like Romney's getting right now, and he would have had a that would have invariably led to the rise of like a primary challenger in the Senate race who was more pro Trump and could rally those people. It would have just split the GOP vote and really would have just weakened the campaign overall and like really skewering his chances like at re-election. And so, for people who were in those instances, yeah, like It sounds terrible, but, like... And I'm not, like, condoning it. But, like, they made the... For themselves, and, like, in this moment, and, like, this, like, climate that we live in, they made the politically smart move. um, And... But the thing is, is, like, I... What I think is interesting is... What, like... Or, if at all, the effect or the effect of their vote to like acquit Donald Trump in the Senate. Like, I wonder if that's going to reflect on them at all for the rest of the political career. And, but to be honest, at the same time, like, no one ever really like talks about the Clinton one in like that process as much. But I think it is interesting in this, like, especially like at least in the immediate future, because either in 2020 or 2024, there's going to be a GOP that's without Trump and some of these like young political figures, like take like Marco Rubio, for example, who voted to acquit. He's someone who has been looked at as like kind of like the next face of the GOP or in other words, like that one of the next young front runners for the Republican Party. But he voted to acquit and some of his reasoning. And this is a quote that he said, uh, just because actions meet a standard of impeachment does not mean it is in the best interest of the country. To remove a president from office, end quote. So, you know, we'll see how that sticks around. And before I like move on, there's like, just one other quote I had to read. Because from Lisa Murkowski, the senator from Alaska. She voted against witnesses and voted to acquit. And her quote, like this is just too good. Uh, so, she said, uh, I have come to c- the conclusion that there will be no fair trial in the Senate. I don't believe the continuation of this process will change anything. It is sad for me to admit that as an institution, the Congress has failed, end quote. Yeah, the institution that she's a part of. So, I don't know. It's just ironic to me. Anyway, and this is also, I mean, unless you guys want like a three-hour podcast where I just devolve everything and just give endless diatribes about all these different topics. But like back to Marco Rubio, uh, then like I said, topic for another day. But what I think what many people underestimate and fail to grasp is like the long-term effects that trump is going to have on the on the republican party like as we already kind of knew and as like really shown in this impeachment trial trump has like literally bent the republican party to his will so much that like now it's not even it's like a shell of the former republican party and it's it's like it's the trump party like long gone are the policies such as like fiscal conservatism international trade and the sensible moderate conservative policies and it's you know it's trump ride or die and it's what trump says is what goes like and but the thing is like the effects of this like the congressional budget office just released a report the other day that projects another decade of trillion dollar annual trillion dollar deficits and more soaring debt and, like, we're already spending under Trump, like, Obama-level era, like, deficit spending of over a trillion dollars a year. And being 23 and, like, thinking about the future of that, it's like, well, you know, thanks, I guess. Uh, like, thanks for that. Uh, and also, additionally, Trump support is terrible among the young generation. And he's much popular with older voters. And I think it's kind of giving this image of the GOP that being that it's like Trumpist more than it is like traditional conservative, like to think that the GOP will just like reset once Trump is out of office, I think is just totally naive. Like Trump has set not only like the GOP but also national politics like in a whole new direction. Uh and like both parties are kind of approaching a cliff where it's all at some point here, we're going to just reach the culmination of all of this. And it's going to boil over and just explode into something. And like, I've, I don't really know where it's going to go. And to say, but to say that like the GOP is just going to reform and become this, this, you know, move away from these tropes that Trump has established. I, I don't think that's going to happen. Like, I just don't think so. So getting back to Mitt Romney, um it should be said i am not a mitt romney fan i mean in 2012 i was i was like ride or die mitt romney and i was crushed when he lost in 2012 i didn't talk to anyone for like two days i was so bummed but as like i've gotten older and i've kind of like taken I, I you know i was like a junior in high school i didn't know anything but now that i've kind of gotten older and i have some more perspective you know, like, 2012, Romney was, like, a pretty flawed and weak presidential candidate. He has a history of flipping on issues. He's a bit... Of, like, there's definitely weight, and I agree with the fact that he's, like, a political opportunist, especially in the sense that I feel that he really carpet-bagged the Utah Senate race in 2018. Um, But I, I really do believe that, like, he fought... Like, this was, like, a real moment for Mitt Romney with this vote that you know, he like really followed his conscience. And like I said, it was a breath of fresh air and kind of like a nice moment to kind of take everything into perspective and kind of see where the state of our politics is in general. And obviously like there's a lot that can be said about Ben Romney's vote. Like he's in the safest spot to do so in the sense that he's in the most anti-Trump Republican state um, but the like the amount of vitriol and just hate this guy is getting is insane. Like the Utah legislature is trying to get a bill going to try and recall Mitt Romney. He was disinvited from the next CPAC conference in this epic fashion. But like if that's what conservatism is, like I don't want any part of that. Like for sure. I do not want to be involved with that. Um but I think it really touches on something like that's a greater issue in our politics as a whole, like people are so full of just knee jerk and like emotional diehard reactions. It's like, no one like takes it. I, I'm not saying I I don't want to generalize, but it feels like there's a lot of people that just do not take a step back and think when they're reacting to political news or political information, um, like dedica- party dedication or anti party <laughs> hate is so strong. You know, we live in the age of, dunking on and demolishing political opponents with all sorts of things. But the problem is, is, like we've gone down this process where we've kind of allowed ourselves to really just dehumanize people that we don't agree with on the political spectrum. And we're so caught up in what our partisan identification is that we can't even talk like the, the art of dialogue is lost or it's largely lost in America. In my opinion, like, like when was the last time you had a meaningful conversation with someone on politics that wasn't of your same ideology? Like, obviously, as a political science student, like I've talked, I get to talk with people about politics all the time. And like, that's why I like it. But in the real world, like there's studies talking about how politics is talked about more in the workplace. But like, what's your like initial reaction when someone says something that they disagree with or that you disagree with. Like what comes to mind, you know? And I mean, a lot of the problem is like a lot of people will lead in with something that's not great for starting dialogue, you know, just like, Oh yeah. F Trump. It's like, okay, well how am I supposed to, how can't like, maybe we're even on the same boat, but like, how can we have a meaningful discussion about anything? If that's your attitude or that's how you talk with people, you know what I mean? And because we kind of like give ourselves wholesale to these ideas and we just kind of fully commit ourselves to like either these kind of like party ideals or these party figures like trump is like just he's like the he's this ultimate cult of personality in america and i think there's so much to be said about how trump has energized and brought in these people and like made them into like this following. Um, and I think it's important. Like I don't agree with instantly demonizing people for their political beliefs. I think Hillary made a big mistake with that in 2016 where, you know, the deplorables are those who are like Trump supporters, bunch of deplorables and i think that actually like worked against her and it, it brought out enough people to vote against her um and we're kind of seeing the, like the democrats some democrat candidates make the same mistake again in 2020 but i think a lot of this starts at the individual level a lot of it starts with like honestly looking at people and allowing them to believe what they want to believe i was reading actually for a class i was reading john locke the other day uh no, no no sorry uh mill I was reading Mills uh, on liberty and he talks about how we can never suppress an idea because the problem is when we try and suppress an idea we are saying oh with absolute certainty i know this idea is false essentially but the problem is is like we're so infallible 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 yeah infallible that there's no way we can legitimately say with absolute certainty that another idea is wrong because every idea holds some semblance of truth. And even if it's like an idea that largely is wrong or goes against contrary opinion, the prevailing idea needs an opposing idea with that bit of truth to like bring about the whole truth. And so like, it's kind of off putting to me when, and like kind of like what I've been talking about, it's really off putting to me when people say, Oh, this person's, like, registered Democrat. Oh, pfft, this, this dude's an idiot. Or, oh, that guy is a Trump supporter on MAGA. Like, there's no way I could even talk to him. And the problem is when we start to objectify and dehumanize people like that, it only pushes us, like, further down this course that we've kind of really gotten on and accelerated. I mean, not saying, like, this wasn't happening before Trump because it definitely was. But I think it's been so accelerated under him. That, uh, I mean, he, he, if nothing else radically changes, I do think Trump is going to win in 2020. And it'll be interesting to see where we're at four years from now, if that actually happens. Um, but to wrap up on Romney, sorry, I've been all over the place with this. If you really hate Mitt Romney's vote, you really have, like, just let it go. Like, because the reason is, it doesn't do any, like, Mitt Romney's vote means nothing in the end. Like, Mitt Romney is kind of, he's basically turned himself into an a question of, what's the one senator who broke party lines in an impeachment trial for the first time? Because it, that's what Mitt Romney did. But it means nothing, really, for the Republican Party. Like, Republican approval rating among Trump is still, like, 97%. As of like Tuesday, Trump for state of the union was like at an all time high of like 49% approval rating. Um, yeah, like maybe Trump can't say that they had absolute unity or absolute acquittal because, you know, they had one dissenting vote. But it doesn't do anything in the long term of, um, of like trying to totally undermine the Republican Party or anything like that. Uh, So honestly, if you like, I, I am totally cherry picking with Mitt Romney here because like I said, I'm not a fan and there's a lot of things he's done that I don't like, but I do like this one moment and I thought it was a real humanizing moment for me. But if you don't like it, like, you know, just don't call in and make death threats to his office. I was speaking with someone last night who knows people who work in his congressional office and it was just like, oh. What those people and those poor interns and congressional staffers are going through right now with the amount of hate this man is getting it's like just let it go it's not in the grand scheme of things it really doesn't mean much but kind of like as i've, as I've said today i think it provided a really interesting interesting like introspective moment on politics so that's all i got for you today i usually I'll mix in some more personal stories and have like maybe a little bit more lighthearted tone at the end, but uh, we're already running towards like 40 minutes here. So I'll cut it short, but thanks again for tuning in. Like I'm going to try and get this back up like on a weekly basis, try and get some more people involved again. I haven't done one that is just me talking for a long time, but I wanted to try out my new extendo microphone arm. Um. So yeah, but make sure to follow us on Instagram at semi underscore nice underscore, uh, links, we can make sure you subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcast. We are also up on CastBox if you don't have either of those. And I will also post the link to my Facebook. But thanks again for tuning in. Uh, I know it was a bit much of what we went over today, but I uh, hope to see you guys next week.